Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. side of coaching especially when it comes to strength and conditioning we're going to talk about what you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach video is important but if you don't teach well you're not going to like what you see on your video first down playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years it allows you to present installs playbooks and practice cards in half the time with nfl quality coaching tools like video pairing a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. About how you crack into this profession and really make it and some of the things you need to do. And we're going to talk about how you keep your players excited throughout the offseason. And joining me to discuss all those things is the head football strength and conditioning coach at Georgia Tech, Lou Corrala. Lou, it's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. So, Coach, uh, we're going to dig right into it and get into your, your background here first and talk about your start in coaching because I think uh, in, in what you explained to me, your, your start was kind of formative in how you have approached this profession and the way you've gotten it done. So for you, being a Division three football player, and you got this start and working for free in the summers. Talk to us about your start and really how that's helped, I guess, develop your mindset as a coach. Yes, sir. Um, well, when I was still playing at Defiance College in Ohio, yeah, I had two years to play. So that first summer I was there and I, li- I lived in Tampa growing up. So I went home for the summer and I got an internship in South Florida. And that whole experience opened my eyes. And, and the coach actually let me train with one of the groups because he knew I was still playing. And so I trained with the 9 a.m. group and I trained the next three as a coach uh, for the rest of the day. So I was extremely exhausted every day but um the coach at the end of the summer said uh 
if you're not first team all conference, I'll never hire you. So I had to be first team all conference. There was no choice. Um, but that experience opened my eyes to the whole, the whole possibility of strength and conditioning. I, I was addicted. I wanted to do it. I knew what I wanted to do now. So that was huge for my life. And then I went back as a junior and finished that season. And then following summer, you know, again, I go home to Tampa for the summer, but I ended up moving to Virginia to the university of Virginia and just rented an apartment for three months and worked there for free with their football program. And that was the experience that kind of took my career and uh, really put me on a fast track because Matt Bayless, that, that guy I worked for was, I mean, he, he taught me the passion that not, not just uh, it's not what you do, it's how you do it, that kind of thing. And I was completely driven after watching him work. But, yeah, it all started as an undergrad, and that kind of set me up to be a GA as soon as I got done graduating. You know, in, in looking at what you did in those years, and I know, you know, there's there's some mentorship that's developed out of there too, but uh, the, the mindset of, of making sacrifices, right? That's especially for, you know, a kid who's still in college. Uh, you know, a lot of times those guys want to go home, hang with their buddies, you know, get their work done in summer, but party a little bit. And, you know, you're off, uh, you know, working, exhausting yourself all day, uh, the second time moving away from home, and you're not getting paid a dime for it, you know, for the, right. the sacrifice part of it. And I know that's that's something you, as a coach, you know, you're going to go through a lot of changes over the course of your, your career, most of you, if you, if you aspire to, to climb to the highest levels. I guess, talk to us a little bit about, what that experience taught you about sacrifice in this profession? Well, it just gave me great perspective on young coaches trying to crack into the field. You know, I think everyone wants to just get hired as an assistant one day as soon as they're done playing. Well, there's a lot of people that are way ahead of you on the experience chain, but they're underneath that level. So I just always look at that experience as I would never be where I'm at today if I never made those relationships while I was working for free. And I didn't even know what was going to come from it. I, I knew being a head guy one day was a long-term goal of mine. But, I mean, at the time, I'm not even close to that. I can't even think of that. So every day I just try to be first to work. I try to be last to leave. I, I tried to ask coach if he needed anything else every second I could. I tried to ask questions every chance I could. And I still got my journals from those three, three months that I worked. And, and that gives me great perspective now. And, and I can give great insight to the interns that come to my program and work for free in the summer. And I got a lot of respect for the people that move across the country to work for free, not knowing if it'll pay off or not. But that's the sacrifice you're willing to take. So uh, that's what I did, and I'm thankful it worked out. When, when you look at uh, your development as a coach, and you, know, you have to, especially on the football side of things, because – it's so heavily integrated into the football program, into the way the culture works with strength and conditioning that you have to learn certainly the strength side, but also you have to have a strong understanding of how you're going to work with the football side, how you're going to help build culture. Cause you are one of, of three guys basically who touches the entire team. It's the head coach. It's the strength and conditioning coach and the special teams coach actually work with all players. So you're heavily integrated into that. What were some of the key lessons you learned in, in how to develop both sides of that as you started through this profession? 
Well, there's so much that goes into it. Like how, how can you possibly understand what they're going through if you haven't played? You know, that's kind of one thing I've always tried to hang my hat on is, yeah, I didn't play at this level, but I still went through those two-day camps and I still felt like my shins were going to break every time I walked on that field and got through it. You know, like I still had that internal experience where I know exactly what you're going through. And then on top of that, how do you, how do you, you know, inspire these guys in a weight room now and get them going? Like it's, it's, it's one thing if I'm just trying to show them how to work out, but it's another thing if I'm actually doing the work before they get there. And I've, I've always done that, you know, football is one of the best games in the world, but I believe the work that goes into football is what makes you who you are. So that's, that's kind of what I've always um, wanted to do. Once I realized, look, I want to be a football coach, you know, I want to be involved, but man, being a strength coach for me is, is the dream because I get to really see these kids all day in and day out and get them going. With, uh, with that comes kind of different approaches to this in, in the way that the head football coach integrates the strength coach in the strength program. Um, and you see some situations where you could tell it's, it's, you know, those guys are in lockstep, uh, working together. Uh, it's, it's all part of a bigger picture. And then some other guys, you know, turn them over to you and, and let you do your thing. Um, have you experienced both of those? And I guess, you know, your thoughts on what works best. Yes, sir. Um, I have experienced both sides where, where some coaches have drastically tried to give you every idea that they want done in that weight room, what kind of exercises they want, what kind of racks that they need to rotate on. I mean, you name it, like off-season meetings forever, just about their ideas that they want to get done. And then you might get some of your ideas in, you know, it, it, it's not easy as a strength coach if your head football coach is dictating the whole thing. But on the other side, you know, like the one I'm working for now and the previous coach who just worked for a buff, like those two just let me go, you know, and, and trusted my complete, they gave me complete control of the program and never bothered me. They just trusted me. And, and I can't explain enough to the coaches out there how important that is to have the trust in your strength coach. If you have it, it's a great situation because I feel nobody's looking over my shoulder constantly. I can be myself. The, the players feel that, and they get better from it. So it's a great experience when your head football coach has a complete buy-in on you, and I think your program can take off from that point. And you mentioned to me that that allows you uh, to be creative in what you do, and, and the creativity part is a, a big part of it for you. It allows you to create better buy-in, enthusiasm, et cetera. Um, talk to us about that. Talk to us about that aspect of, of you as a coach who uh, you know you have to, to accomplish certain objectives. You know at the end of the day you have to get these guys ready to be what their position coaches, what the head coach, what the coordinators want them to be out on the football field. But there's multiple ways of getting there, and you know that's where – um, you've been able to excel a bit and kind of become known for some of the things that you do in the weight room. So talk to us about that creative side and, and uh, what you're able to do with that, how you're able to help the team in a better way. Yeah, so every, um, every Friday 
in our off-season program. It doesn't matter if it's the winter or the summer. It's always a theme lift. You know, we always call it something or there's some kind of different purpose behind it or you name it, we do it. And, I would again, I would never give a player a workout I haven't done myself. So safety is number one. Uh, that's doesn't Nothing matters if they're not safe. So I make sure, because sometimes I get carried away writing, you know, when I'm listening to my war music in my office and keep writing and keep writing and keep doing things. But once I try it, I got to change a lot of things and then adapt it and so they can do it. And it's, it's fresh and it flows well. But um, I mean, I just think predictable is boring. You know, I think if you have a solid program Monday through Thursday and it, you know, it's basic strength work, it's getting them better on certain lifts, it's progressing. Great. But Friday for me, that's the day where look, we're all together. It doesn't matter if you're a lineman or a skill guy, we're doing the same thing and this is going to make our team closer. Cause what I've found is through the years of coaching, the one thing that players always talk about every time I call them are those memories on our Friday lifts. And, and to go into a little detail, we just, you know, for example, sometimes we have a partner lift where it's you and two other guys and you got to have, you got to get to this amount of reps together to move on from that mountain you just climbed. So if we're trap bar deadlifting, we got to do X amount of reps together and then we can move on to bench press and then we can move on to pull-ups and, and so on. So that, that's one, just showing them that they need their teammate. Another one is just, you know, the tap out lift where it's you versus someone else in like 14 different events and you know who you're matched up with early on in the week. So you're just kind of, feeling that anxiety and it's kind of like a game, you know, you got to figure out how to beat someone. So you, you show up to the weight room that Friday and you know who your matchup is. and You've been thinking about it all week and you got to figure out how to beat them in 14 different events. Like uh, getting on a treadmill at 10 miles an hour, who's going to get out first. <laughs> the only way you can win an event is, is if the guy you're going against quits. And it, it shows you a lot with guys and how they mentally check out if they can't win a, a couple things or, I mean, I could go on and on about all these lifts, but it would probably take the full episode. So I really enjoy the Fridays, and I feel like a lot of coaches ask a ton of questions about those the most. I know the other thing in listening to a clinic talk from Coach Collins, and we had it here on the, the podcast a, a week ago, he talked about what you do with the hunger board. And it's a way that you evaluate things, and I know Coach talks about looking for guys who are one of us, right, and, and a big part of your culture there. Uh, but the hunger board is part of that, and that's something you're in charge of. Talk to us about the hunger board, what it is, and how you go through and evaluate players. So essentially it's an effort board. You know, we call it the hunger board because there's three levels of hunger. There's, there's satisfied, that which is the worst kind of guy that thinks he just doesn't need to do anything else to improve. There's hungry, which is basically average. You know, you're, you're hungry, but you're not going to do more than what's required of you. And then there's starving. You know, the guys that you will go to war with any day of the week because you know they are always bringing it. They're consistent. They are the team leaders. They get, I mean, you got to kick them out of the weight room on the weekends because they just can't get enough. So we vote every week doesn't matter what talent you have. It doesn't matter what position you are. It doesn't matter if you are an All-American. Um, the walk-ons tend to dominate that board as well, which they love because they're the hardest workers most of the time. 
So it doesn't matter to us who you are. What matters is your effort, your consistency, your discipline, your accountability, your toughness, your, your grit. Um, so we'll alphabetically go down the roster. The whole strength staff will give a vote. They'll give opinions on why, you know, so-and-so. What do you guys think? Well, if there's kind of a hesitation or like a, ah, he's not starving. You know, it's, it's, it's normally unanimous when a guy's starving. So we hang our hat on that, that board in the weight room and kids take full offense if they're not on starving and they ask questions on how to make it there. And, um, it's a very inspiring board to try to move up on. And it's kind of the driver of our strength program. And I know, you know, part of this comes from you being able to understand what each of these guys wants too, and getting to know them, right? Getting to know the person. And and as a strength coach, you do something that a lot of position coaches do, uh, that the head coach does, that you interview every player. What what kinds of things are you looking for in those interviews, and how big are those interviews in, in helping you develop each individual in the program? Oh, they're the biggest. They're the most important thing I do by far. It's It's the best when you – complete the interview because you feel so much closer to the kid that you just met. You know, I share so much with you. Sometimes you ask the, the simplest questions and get the deepest answers. So I have about 25 questions I ask each kid. And normally, if I can get this done in the first month or two, great, because the sooner the better. Um, you know, I've been a head guy four different spots. And three times I was the only new guy on staff. So I had to come in and set the tone, of course. But also tell them to not respect me yet because I want to get to know you and earn your, your trust. So that interview is what that does. And um, you talk about questions like, you know, what's the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome? Who, who in your life inspires you? You know, what's your family situation at home? Um, who's the worst coach you've ever had and why? Who's the best coach you've ever had and why? What are your goals this season? You know, what are some things that you could change about this? If you could change about this team, you would. Just so I can get a pulse on who this kid is, what he wants from this place, what he wants from me, what kind of coaches he doesn't like, so I know what's going to, like, really bother him or not. And then also just, you know, coaches are so quick to judge uh, a kid by his body language when they don't know anything about the kid. They don't know what he's going through. They, they've never asked. They never will. They're just going to judge him and make an assumption and then chalk him up to be something. There's a lot of kids going through a, a, lot of, a lot of things. So if you don't know those, you'll never have the insight you need to really make a difference in his life. And I think a lot of coaches, they, they say they want to make a difference, but man, the effort it takes to actually make a difference in a kid's life is endless. So, I mean, that's, that's the start of it. And then the journey continues forever. I know as you're, you're going through and you're looking at your hunger board, you certainly don't want to see those guys who you're classifying as, as not hungry. And if, if they're remaining there for a while, uh, there's, there's, there's some things maybe that you need to dig into. How, how much do you get involved in, you know, those types of interventions with those players? Oh yeah. That, so, there's a lot of guys that just think doing extra work is enough to get them on the starving board. It's not. Look, everyone's going to do a little more than what's required of them. You know, and, and the question always comes back, 
what do I got to do to get them starving? Well, it's different for everyone. So if, if you do extra work, but you're not that good in the lifts and you never stand out and you're not really affecting your teammates and uh, you're not impacting the room. If you were not here, I wouldn't notice. You know, that kind of thing always helps guys try to give more energy to the room and, you know, you'll see a natural difference. But then there's a lot of kids that don't ask. And then that's, that tells you a lot too. But I'll go back to the interview where I'll see a kid tell me what he wanted to get done and then I'll see him on the hungry side or the satisfied side and I'll go up to him and say, hey, didn't you say you wanted to be a first-team All-American? Like, didn't you say you were doing this for your mom? So where is that? Where's that guy at? Well, that's what I'm still waiting for. You know, and because it's personal and because he told you it, he's going to show more the next day. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. When, when things change from off-season to in-season and, and the focus for those players now really shifts to what do I got to do to win on Saturday, um, how do you stay fully involved and in, in integrated now as a strength coach when we hit that part of the season? You know, when I was a first-time head strength coach at North Texas, um, we were not good, and we went 1-11. But um, every week, being a first-time head guy, I, I took as a challenge because every Sunday we lifted. So how do I get the guys going, even though we just lost by 30, and we have a harder opponent next week? How, what kind of messaging and effort do I got to give to these kids for them to believe even more this week, even though the opponent's harder. So that situation made me realize that the strength coach has to be strong for his players in his weakest, in their weakest times. And, and that's how I look at it. I'm look, I'm here to get them stronger. I'm here to keep them strong. I'm here to keep them healthy. Mobility and flexibility picks up a lot in season. The reps go down a little bit. The strength numbers that we're working with, you know, they stay moderate. But as far as the messaging, that's probably the biggest difference. I, there's so many more kids in the in-season that are disappointed because they're either not playing, they feel like they've been lied to, they feel like they're not getting theirs because of the coach, blah, 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 blah. So that's where I have to come in and play psychology 101 on every kid that needs help. And they know they can always come to me. Like that, the office is always open, the phone's always on. You know, I, I try to share everything I can personally with them so they always feel comfortable opening up to me. And 
and that's kind of where I'm at in season. I'm that guy that kind of keeps the fires out and makes sure the team is focused in the right direction and, and not thinking about the wrong things and gearing up a theme every new week that uh, it's a one and zero mindset, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I would mention on in season. With with your messaging and, and the way you're able to really get this mindset right for them um, in, in multiple ways, whether that's the team or, or those guys who need it as individuals, uh, what kind of places do you draw from for, for those messages, you know, in, in keeping these guys together? Uh, great question. I, I draw a lot of my, my, my messages from playing, you know, and I, I go back to how I thought as a player. You know, I think if there's so many coaches that have so much great experience that they don't use, you know, they, they got to remember what it was like thinking about all these things in your mind before you play a game, you know, especially in front of how many people they're about to play in front of. But I just think, you know, going through experiences and not using them is a big waste. And I, I, I share the mistakes I made as a player with my mindset. I was worried about this or I was worried about that. And I should have been thinking about this and this and this. And then I would have gained those stats I was thinking about and, and so on. I could go multiple different routes, but as a player, the things I read, um, the mistakes I've made, the regrets I have, um, I come up with my own quotes. You know, it's my biggest hobby, probably different messages. I write on the computer every day that, hopefully one, one day turns into a book, but um, you name it. I mean, I listen to podcasts, I, everything I can draw from to help these kids. We've, we've talked a lot about the human side of this and in, in strength and conditioning, uh, you're able to get numbers, you know, <laughs> you're able to get some of these metrics that certainly help you develop things. So when you look at that side of it and the, the technologies that you use, uh, what pieces of technology really uh, are are the best for you, and things you're able to rely on to help you uh, you know, better craft the programming for these guys? Um, so, technology is great, you know, if if you have the means to to do it. But I honestly think some of the most impressive things are just tracking the basic things like your bench and your squat or your deadlift or your vertical jump or your broad jump, you know, and, and watching those basic combine movements improve in an off season is a lot of fun. So, you know, this off season we had, we, we focused a lot on vertical jump and, and 225 rep max. So you're going to probably get what you emphasize. You know, if I emphasize 30 things, I don't know if I'd get a lot out of those 30, but if you emphasize two, you'll probably improve a lot in those two. So, Vertical jumps went way up. 225 numbers went way up. And the cool thing about the vertical jump is the kids that gain weight and their vert goes up, they're moving with a lot more power now. So we have this power formula we use and present that to the coaches. Like, look, this kid gained 10 pounds. He lost body fat and his vert went up three inches. You're getting a new kid out there. You know, he's moving so much better. Um, so that, that's that been a lot of fun in the 225 Rep max. I mean, some of these numbers are ridiculous. That of just from the start to the finish of just the uh, the effort that goes into that though it takes a lot. And 
you got to train hard. You know, there's no way around it. But that that's kind of sorry to not really answer your question on the technology thing, but uh, I think you, you get what you emphasize, and uh, we emphasize those things, and we saw a lot of improvement. Coach, to, to finish things up and, and, you know, looking at everything you do as a coach and all the things you've mentioned to us, some great things here, but what would be the one thing you would point to that really gives your guys the winning edge? I would say as a coach, if, if you want your players to buy in to your program, you need to buy into your vision. You need to buy into yourself. And I mean, you need to be the message you're trying to preach. Like you have to, if you want the kids to be early, you need to be early. If you want them to stay late and do extra, you need to do that as well. If you want them to be tough, resilient, all these things, well, I hope you're living that way too. You know, if you're going to be that guy that says all this stuff and then goes plays around on the weekend and live up to nothing you just said, well, you're a hypocrite, you know, and they're going to sniff that out real quick. So I think with the players, with the winning edge, like you talk about, be the message you preach. And I believe that will translate to them being the message they're trying to preach because player leadership is one of the hardest things to gain. And if you have it, it's probably very real because those players gave up those weekend habits. They gave up that, that nightlife. They gave up that hypocrite. So if you're not that guy, they're not going to be. If you don't have fire in your heart, they won't. If <laughs> I could keep going, but I, I think it's important to be the message you try to preach. Coach, what's the best way for coaches to connect with you if they have any questions? Um, I, so I, I, I have Twitter, at Lewis Corella. Um, I just started Instagram because the players told me to get it. Uh, so that's at, that's at Lou Corella. And then my email, you know, I, the email I always respond to is uh, Lewis Corella at yahoo.com. So. And we'll put those uh, in our show notes as well so coaches could get to them. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time today and give us some, giving us some insight into the things you do at Georgia Tech. And best of luck to you and the Yellow Jackets in 2021. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for it. Right? If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.